Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I think we've decanted for long enough. It's time to sit back and enjoy Two Sharp Reds with Mark Schwarzer and Ollie Geel. Yes, that's right. Welcome to another episode of the Two Sharp Reds with myself, Ollie Geel, and of course, the great man himself, Mark Schwarzer. In every episode, we do try a nice bottle of the Burgundy Grape. We love our red wines here on the Two Sharp Reds, and we like to compare that bottle at the end of the episode to a player, past or present, well, we also dissect all the big issues in the world of sport and sometimes in the world of soap operas because I know Mark's always at me. He's going, please, can I get in a little bit of home and away action? I go, maybe one week. So, Mark, maybe this is the week. You can get it in there. Who knows? Uh, mate, that, you've just completely made that up because I've never asked for that. But anyway. With your eyes, you have. Okay. All right. And, maybe. And, maybe. And uh, I can say whatever I want in this episode because you're, you're in the, the doghouse with me, aren't you? Well, why? Because we're starting slightly later than we normally would. Is that why? Like you no. think you're... Are you precious or what? Don't act cool in front of the listeners, in front of all your friends. You're in the doghouse <laughs> with me because you were paddleboarding all day, weren't you? Yes, I was paddleboarding for a large part of the day. You're absolutely right. Um, and therefore, we've had to put back our scheduled time of doing the podcast yeah. uh, just slightly. Mm. Um, and, I, and I do feel sorry for you because, you, you know, you do all the editing and everything else. Mm. It does take a couple of hours. I didn't realise it took you uh, the 55 hours that you said it did. That's because uh, I'm not very good at doing it. But, you know, it's I still... was just about to say, yeah, that's probably why. <laughs> now, Mark, I'm very excited. Uh, Nations League has been going on, which we, we love, but unfortunately it's taken a, a bit of second best for me because it feels like Christmas Eve almost. We are just around the corner from the start of the Premier League. I feel uh, almost guilty in a sense that I haven't felt that normal break. And so we're, we're getting a lot of football, which is, which is brilliant. I don't think guilt's the right word. I think we just need to enjoy it. So this episode, we'll be dissecting and looking forward to all those games uh, in match day one of the Premier League. But before we get into that, let's talk through our wines that we're having through this episode, uh, which we will, of course, be comparing at the end of the episode. So what have you gone for today, Mark? Well, I've gone for a Korean sun again. Uh, this is a Marquez. The Cacarades. Cacarades. Sure, very easy for that. some. Yeah, very easy for some to, to pronounce. I like um, it. It's, 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 a, it's a pretty strong, it's a Rioja as well. Mm-hmm. So Crianza Rioja. So it's a quite strong, again, another one of the ones right up your alley. Mate. Yeah. And, and it's from you know, Rioja region, which is always a fantastic wine. And this is a really nice wine. And I've gone a little bit, uh, I've pushed the boat out a little bit more, you know, for this one, because this is about a seven euro, 50, seven euro, 80 oh. a bottle. Yeah, no, I know. I mean, I've gone a little bit, a little bit uh, on the more expensive side. Yeah, Optus money's come through, has it? Must have. I haven't <laughs> checked yet, but it must have. Uh, well, I'm very excited to taste my first Italian red. I've just arrived in the beautiful area of Florence in Tuscany, and I've gone for a Toscana Rosso. Um, and I'm very embarrassed with my first experience. Uh, with buying a red in Italy because I bought it from the supermarket. Started raining. I was running back, back to try and get here for the episode in time. And uh, almost upon my arrival, I remembered I didn't have a bottle opener, so I had to walk into a wine bar and ask them in Australian, "Can you open my bottle of wine?" And they did. And it was just embarrassing. Then you're going up the apartment building with an open bottle of red, and it was just so. Put it this way, Mark. I hope the bottle itself is better than the experience buying it. I'm sure it will be, mate. It's like Italy, Spain, you can't go wrong with a bottle of red wine. I, I, don't, I really don't believe you can. Um, whatever bottle of wine, I mean, obviously, unless you're a wine connoisseur and you, you really do know your wines, I don't see, I don't see the real big difference in a lot of the wines. Um, and I'm, I'm like, we've talked about this many times before, I'm, I'm a big fan of going for that bargain, that bargain basement uh, bottle of wine. And more often than not, I find myself trying to find the cheapest bottle of red wine that I think is a good drink. Um, and so I don't think you'll go wrong. But how much did you pay for yours? Uh, mine was about 
I want to say nine, nine euros. Right. So, right. so you, don't even, you don't even know really, do you? No, because I, 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 what I did is I thought, well, the first one that I'm getting, I went through your system and I went, right, so four to five euros, Mark reckons in this part of the world will get you a good bottle of wine. But if I yep. shell out three or four extra, uh, which is about a normal bottle for me, like, you know, that's not expensive really. So I thought, yep. well, that should be a really good bottle of wine for my first one. So I'm very, very excited. Excellent. So, Mark, first game of the 20, what is it, 2020-2021 season. Jeez, that's a mouthful to say. Uh, will it certainly be is. Your two footballing loves and Fulham in Arsenal taking place. Fulham back into the Premier League. It will be at Craven Cottage. Do we know as well, I haven't actually checked up on the stadium. Do we know if that's still under reconstruction or certainly yeah, my understanding. Yeah. yeah. My understanding is still under construction. So I, I just sense there's a little bit of nervousness in the air, like a nervous tension in the air with you. You know, I think you're a little bit concerned about this fixture, aren't you? You're uh, worried about going to Craven cottage, yeah. your, your beloved arsenal, uh, crew, crew, I mean, crew, I mean, arsenal, whoever oh. they are, I mean, red and white, whatever it is. Um, and you, I think you're a little bit worried about this game, aren't you? And as you should be, I think that there's a level of uncertainty always with any team that comes up in promotion. Even if you see it so many times before with even like a Norwich, they actually started pretty well last season because you get that energy, that buzz, like, let's go, let's go. So, yeah, there's, there's a bit of uncertainty and I'll be fascinated to see how it goes. I mean, what's the forecast for you? I mean, obviously, I mean, clearly it's too early to sell, but I think, that, I think it could be a, a positive season for them. You know what? It's a tough one. It really is for, for, for Fulham. I just don't feel... I mean, I don't think they've invested enough yet. Um, I think it's going to be a real tough grind for them. You know what? what they, where they went wrong two seasons ago is that... Or three seasons ago, they, they made so many changes to the team that got promoted on the first day of the season off the back of bringing in a lot of players really late in the transfer window. So there was no togetherness, no team morale. They lost all that extra push and that drive and that energy coming, like you were saying, that real energy coming up from the, from the championship uh, off the back of winning it through the, the playoff final. So Scotty Park has got to have uh, taken note on that, I'm sure. And, you know, you've got to find that balance. You bring in that one or two, three, maybe new players, maybe in and around the team, but really stick with those core players that got you promoted, particularly in the first couple of games of the season. So do you fear, though, that they've gone too far the other way? That you still need, they, you know... Well, yeah, the thing is, when I, I watched the playoff final, I mean, I know, listen, I know it's different. When, you, when you're watching a playoff final, it was, you know, behind closed doors, as will this game be this weekend, and it's different. But I didn't think the level of, of, of uh, performance, uh, the quality of the, the, the performance was particularly great. I, I'd looked at the Fulham side and I just thought, you know what? Yes, they did well to win the game, but they're going to find it difficult in the Premier League unless, unless they really lift their game. Um, but again, momentum, it's going to take some time. Um, it's a big challenge for him. You know, I, I find it's going to be a struggle all season. And I think, I think it's going to be too much for them. I, I just don't think they've strengthened enough. Um, and I think it's going to be a real, real tough season for Fulham. Without fans as well, for we're assuming a large chunk of it as well, which would add so much to Craven Cottage, as I'm sure you know firsthand better than anyone. But on that playoff final, I agree with you in the sense that uh, the quality wasn't exactly at the highest level, but I thought one really positive thing was the way that Scotty Parker managed it. I thought that, that he was really impressive in, in uh, choosing the right times to attack and defend uh, against a really good Brentford side and a really well-oiled Brentford side. So do you think you know, he's been given a new contract? It's exciting. To, you know, he's sort of given himself a couple more you know, seasons to, to really enhance as a manager, and it, it could be the difference. Yeah, it could be the difference. Um, but... It's, it's a tough challenge. You know? it's a, I mean, it really depends on the objectives of the club, you know, and, and, and this time around, they haven't just gone out and, and thrown out, you know, 100, you know, 100 plus million on, on players. So I, I think it's definitely a more of a, a controlled effort, uh, more tactical in terms of, 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 uh, of player purchases. They're looking at, you know, more so I think it's about if they can stay in the league, it's a real bonus. And uh, I think the pressure is obviously on for, for Scotty Parker to do so. But I think in giving him a three-year contract, I think they're showing the faith that they believe he's the future of the club. So in saying that, you know, you've got to also back him, even if times do get tough. And I hope they do. One man that would have been so good for Fulham if he went across the road was Eberechi Eze. He's gone to Crystal Palace. Uh, every time I've seen uh, him play for QPR, Mark, I've probably been to Loftus Road maybe four or five times. Every single time I've been. 
without shadow of a doubt. He, he was amazing. He was so exciting. And you just can't... I think if you were a Palace fan, you, you just couldn't help but feel excited about this game against Southampton. I, 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 really, do, I really do think that. Yeah, you know what? Again, Palace are a side that's finished the season really badly. Um, they need, to, they need to, to really hit the ground running right at the start of the season again. This is a massive game for them. Southampton. Southampton were one of the most informed teams in, uh, since the restart of COVID. They did incredibly well, uh, particularly after, after the massive drubbing against Leicester City. Ralph Hasenhutter has done an incredible job at that club. Um, and, and, and I think they're slightly favourites going into this one. So Roy's got a big job at his hand, on, on his hands, you know, to, to lift this Palace side. Again, not a lot of money spent, not a lot of investment made. Uh, Palace have always been quite thin in terms of squad depth. And that's always a big concern for him. You know, he's got to hope that he's good, that he's, that he's, that he's uh, core, his team stays fit. And he's able to pick up these results. These home games against teams like Salem, even though it's the first game of the season, are so important for clubs like like Crystal Palace. When you look at Palace and, and as I said, bringing in someone like an Eze, do you think that that's, what's your gut reaction to that? Is that a, a replacement for Zaha or is that in order to support him a little more? Well, I think, I mean, you know, you listen to Roy Hodgson towards the end of last season, it was almost resigned to the fact that, that uh, Wilfred Zaha was going to be moving on. Um, but obviously that hasn't happened. So, you know, the longer that goes on, the, the, obviously the more likely he's going to be at, at Crystal Palace. So what they've got, the only thing they can do is, yes, they look to, to try and bring in a player that could potentially be a, as, as, he, as his substitute. When I say, I don't want to really say a replacement because, you know, they're, they're, they're big shoes to fill. Um, but it's really to, to, to sort of fill that void if, if, if Wilfred Sahar does move on. Um, but again, the longer it goes on, you know, the, the time is running out for, for Wilfred to, to move on. But a lot of things can happen towards the back end of the, the transfer market. Uh, but, you know, Palace, like I said before, they're thin. On, they're thin. You know, their squad, they've got a core, core of really good players. Um, and then the rest, you know, are just okay. And, and, and I think, you know, you saw that at the back end of last season, how they just fell away massively. They got to the point where they were safe. And they just dropped off hugely. And I thought, I actually feared for Roy. I thought he may be under a bit of pressure. And I thought that, I actually, I worry from these early parts of the season, if they don't start well, if they continue like they finished off, even though, you know, the start, the, the, the end of the season wasn't that long ago. It worries me that, that you know, that, that Roy's time there could be short-lived, uh, could be gone early in the start of the season. Because he's only, I think he's in his last year of his contract as well. Yeah, I mean, I certainly agree with you in terms of if, if they start the way they ended, then that's fair enough. But do you think if they finish the way they finished last season, if they do that same thing, has he done his job? They've kept, he's kept I, him in the Premier League, 100%. if that's the case, yeah. A hundred percent, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, Palace's objective is to stay in the Premier League. Stay in the Premier League and, you know, the sooner you can accomplish that goal of, of, of getting those 40-plus points, you can start to look at how far the table you can, you can move. And, and that's a tough thing. You know, Palace are under financial constraints, you know, as, as with most clubs. And I think Palace are going to be like so many other of the clubs around that are going to be hit harder than most um, because of the COVID pandemic. So, you know, you're not going to see huge volumes of money spent on players. And, and they're going to have to make do with what they've got. And with the odd, trying to be really shrewd and, 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 and calculated in their acquisitions. Mark, let's move on to the big one. This is the one that I'm really excited about. I know that you've been losing sleep. I've been losing sleep. Everyone that watches Optus Sports been losing sleep. West Ham, Newcastle, Mark. Woo-hoo! <laughs> uh, sorry, mate. I, I switched off for a second. Eh? <laughs> yeah, I don't blame you. I don't, you know, yeah. It's going to be an interesting game because when you look at these two sides, they've virtually made no interesting acquisitions. I know that might be hard. Uh, I mean, Callum Wilson. Listen, I think Callum Wilson's a good buy for Newcastle. I think yep. he... He's a player that's going to slot in really, really well. Uh, I think for Jolins, and it's going to be a, a, a good buy as well. It's going to take some of the burden away off his shoulders. Um, you know, I think obviously Callum Wilson, will, I think, will go straight into the, the starting 11. Jolinson will probably find himself on the bench and at times be able to play with two up front. Um, but I think Callum Wilson is a really good signing for Newcastle. Speaking of signings, though, I would have thought going into to this period for West Ham, their most important signing was the signing of another manager. I know that sounds a bit harsh, but I genuinely believe speaking to, I've got a lot of West Ham mates and they just go, look, there's just, he's fine. He's a band-aid sort of, you know, many times, but it's not going to, not going to go anywhere else. I am dead set shocked that someone like an Eddie Howe's not come on board. Really am. Like you just think you need to spice it up, a change of direction. 
Yeah, but they he, they said, you know, like uh, Eddie Howe said when he left uh, Bournemouth that he's going to take time out and he's not going to jump straight into a new job. I'm not so sure about Eddie Howe. You know, I think the last, I think the writing was on the wall for, for a while at Bournemouth. And I think the way they, they tailed off um, this last season, I thought they were poor almost from start to finish. And I'm not so sure uh, Eddie Howe would have been the right person to, to bring in for West Ham. Uh, listen, I think David Moyes, you've got to give him you've got to give him credit in terms of, you know, he came in and he steadied the ship. They were in a lot, a lot of trouble, uh, West Ham, when he first when he came back again, and he needed to come in there and then he'd get back down the basic defending, be really difficult to beat, and he turned him into a team that that could start to defend, and they were becoming more difficult to beat, and they were winning games again. Um, and, and that's something that they didn't do beforehand. And they looked dead and they looked gone. For me, they looked a team that were going to go down to the championship. So I think David Moyes definitely deserves a lot of credit for, for turning their, their fortunes around last season. I'm fascinated to see what will happen with West Ham's finances specifically because we, we know that every time I get reminded of it, I think it's really impressive how they can, that their rent uh, for the London Stadium, they can pay it off after their first home game of the year with, with a full attendance. They can pay the rent off for the rest of the season. I'll be really interested to see what happens there. Yeah. Um, listen, I think it's like with, with most renters yeah. around, uh, <laughs> you can you can kind of take a bit of a, a rent holiday, I think, uh, yeah. postponement of your, your rent for, for Yeah, are they, are, are they able to, to go into that scheme that uh, Boris Johnson brought in? So, you know, where you don't have to well, pay for three months? Are, are we going to get political now, are we? Well, why not? Why not? Oh gosh! I've, don't, I've don't, even, don't even don't even go there. Um, yeah, listen. I, I think West Ham have got enough money to to pay the rent. You know, if they if they only needed one one home home game attendance to pay off the rent, I'm sure they they've still got enough TV money um, coming in and coming in to, to to cover that cost. They haven't really bought any player of any significance. Um, there's a lot of talk that Declan Rice may move on. Um, and if that's the case, I'm sure they'll get a big chunk of, of money for him moving on. Um, most likely destination, if it, if it does happen, is, is Chelsea. Um, so, and they're talking, the amount of money they're talking, I think West Ham would, uh, I mean, firstly, I, I don't think they can afford to lose someone like Declan Rice. Mm. Um, and if they do lose him, they need to try and replace him with something of equivalent value, not value, but more so, uh, well, well, value on, on the football pitch. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily a, a financial value, but somebody with enough experience and quality to, to try and be at least on the same sort of uh, level as Declan Rice. And whether that means it's a slightly older player, more experienced player, um, then so be it. But they definitely need to, to replace him if they were to lose him. We'll get on to, to Chelsea in a moment, but I, you can't, like, I understand exactly why they'd be going for him. But I realistically can't see, like, how, how? I mean, I know that they're such a rich club, but at some point, you get to the end of your pocket, surely. Well, but the thing is, let's not forget, you know, Chelsea had a year off of, of spending money on players in the transfer window. So you talk about, you know, the TV money, all the revenue that was generated, plus they finished in the Champions League last season. Um, you know, they got through to the final 16 of the Champions League. So there was a, there was a significant windfall of, for that accomplishment. So off the back of the fact that they didn't spend any money, um, they actually received money for players, um, and it has been, been the, the, the main one. Um, you know, they, they've done really, really well. So they've been able to accumulate a bit of, a bit of uh, credit in, in their bank account for this very, very period of time. Um, so, you know... Only they will know how much money they can spend um, to stay within the budget of the, the financial fair play. And, and Chelsea's, I know Chelsea's model is very much based on that. So, you know, I, I wouldn't envisage they're going to go outside it. They're, they're going to obviously stick to the rules and play by the rules like everyone else is supposed to be doing. And, um, you know, it's just a surprise, I suppose, that it's happening at this particular moment in time when everybody yeah. seems to be really, really struggling. Correct. And I just think it totally undermines their fine in the first place. They've gone, yeah, no worries. So does that mean every second year we'll cop a fine, we'll have a year off, and then we'll do it all again? That's what... Well, the, but, the, but then what you've got to understand is the, the suspension originally was to do with, with actually uh, bringing young players in. So it was to do with bringing young, young players, signing young players um, under a certain age, I think it was. And uh, they, they breached the, the protocol on, on quite a number of occasions. That's why they actually received the ban that they did. And obviously, then they got it reduced by, by one year. So it wasn't for, for financial player regularities. 
Mm-hmm. It was to do with 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 breaching other regulations. So, um, Jules breaching, Jules breaching exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I don't I don't envisage you know that, that that's not an issue. And like I've said to you, I don't think Chelsea have had any issues with in terms of uh, going over the, the you know the financial fair play. So the, on the other hand, though, does Mister Lampard need to heed your warning that you gave uh, Fulham just moments ago in changing the squad too much? I know it's a different level, but by golly, it's almost like there's going to be about two players left from last season in the starting lineup. Oh uh, well, you know what? I mean, what well, they got Thiago Silva's come in. Um, when you look at Kai Havertz, uh, Zayech, Timo Werner. I mean, Timo Werner just looks like he's slotted in seamlessly yeah, already. Yeah. Doesn't look like he doesn't look like a player that that, that has never played and seen before or played in the Premier League before. I've got no 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 doubt Kai Havertz will do the same. Mm-hmm. I mean, Kai Havertz to me is an upgrade. There's no there's no there's no there's no denying he's an upgrade on Mason Mount. Even though I think I'm a big fan of Mason Mount. Mason Mount is a really really good talented young man, and he's going to take a little bit of time. Kai Havertz has got the advantage that he's played a number of seasons now in the Bundesliga. So I think he played over 150 times for Leverkusen in the Bundesliga. So it's, I think it's over three times the amount that uh, Mason Mount's played for Chelsea in the Premier League. So he's got that to his advantage. He's, he's, a, he's, a, he's a player that plays a lot of times. Uh, he's fairly, a reg, fairly regular for the German national team. So I, I, he's definitely an upgrade. And he's going to slot in there very, very easily. That, that, that I have no doubt about. The player that I actually have a doubt about is is Thiago Silva. I I quit, I just worry about his his lack of pace. He's thirty five years old, um, and they don't really. I mean, uh, he's gonna is he gonna is he gonna part, partner Rudiger, which he probably will. And I'm not quite sure about Rudiger being at the level uh, that Chelsea really need. So it's going to be uh, a challenge for them. And I don't think they're finished in the transfer market, Chelsea. So I wouldn't be surprised if there is another defender coming in between now and the end of the transfer window, plus a goalkeeper. Well, we know, well yeah, I mean, we'll get on to that in a moment. We know as well, Chilwell, of course, is also coming to the fold. So... Yeah, but he, obviously he's, he's a left-back, isn't he? So, so does that mean that Aspilicueta goes into a central defender role? Correct. Do they play, do they play with three at the back? I, I actually think they have to play with three at the back if you're going to play Thiago Silva. Yeah. I don't think Thiago Silva can play in the Premier League with, with just with a flat back four. I think, I think he would be exposed. Even though, even though I'm not doubting, he, he's, a, he's a tremendous player and he reads the game incredibly well. You can only do that for so much. If you've got sheer pace on the opposition, in the opposition, you'll get yeah. done. When an Aubameyang or Avadi is coming through, you'll struggle. Absolutely. I mean, Chelsea want to play a high line. They always play a high line. They, def- they defend in the opposition's half. They want their defenders to be up near the halfway line. If you don't have pace, the natural, the natural tendency then as a centre-half is to keep dropping, to drop and drop and drop. And if one's doing it, not the other, they're going to be exposed badly. So I'm a little bit worried about the Thiago Silva signing in terms of pace or lack of pace. Now, not, the goal- not so much, not, so much not, not, not his experience, not his ability on the football pitch, but it's more about the lack of pace. Now, you touched on the goalkeeper situation. What's the gut instinct there? Um, I've got no doubt that they'll bring someone else in. For me, for me, there's no, there's no doubt whatsoever. I I think when you look at, when you look at the situation, particularly last, last season, um, you know, with, with, with Kepa, Kepa struggled for consistency and, uh, and then you've got Caballero who came in and Caballero, listen, he's, he's a, he's a very good professional. He's a top, top class professional. And he's, and I think, and I think, you know what, he's, he, he does a really good job as being that number two stroke number three. And, and the question is now, who do they, who do they bring in to, to either replace Kappa or to, at the very least, to, to challenge him, uh, to put a lot, a lot of pressure on him? And, and the one thing you don't want to do, and I don't, I don't think it ever goes down well, and this is where it's going to be interesting for Manchester United, is when you've got two number ones and they're fighting it out and you don't really make a decision. Mm. Or even if you do make a decision really early on, then all of a sudden, um, you've got one very, very unhappy goalkeeper right from the off. So if you don't make the decision, you're playing both goalkeepers at different times, bit part games all the time. And I don't ever feel that that works well. You never quite get the best out of either of the goalkeepers mm. if you don't put total faith in one of them. And 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 looks like, I mean, the story of, of, uh, of Mendy, uh, Edouard Mendy from uh, is it Ren? Yeah, from Ren. They're talking about, and that doesn't seem to be going away. It seems like uh, 
they're, they're, they're making, they're making progress in that. And I think, you know what, he, I haven't seen, I haven't seen anything of him. So I really don't know what his qualities are like. And, I, and my understanding is Petr Cech is, is someone who's, who's, who's saw him, has seen, has seen him play quite a bit and uh, does fancy him. So let's wait and see. When you watch Chelsea and what's going on when Caballero plays, do you, did you, do you ever think to yourself, and be honest, you know, it stays between us, uh, would, you, would you have started, do you think, if you were still there in that scenario? Um, would I have started? I Listen, I, I think the same. I think, I think it ended up, would have been the same, same thing as, as what happened now in terms of Kepa would have been your number one. And he would have played to such a period of time when Frank decided, you know what, I need to change it. He needs to come out of the spotlight, out of the firing line, and I need to put I need to put uh, Caballero in. I would have liked to have thought that would have been uh, my my opportunity back then. But you know, you never know. You never know. But I, I that my you know when I first went to Chelsea with Jose Mourinho that first season, that was very much the case. That you know I was there to support to back up Petter. So if he was injured or if he had a really, really bad drop in form, it would have had to be a lot for Petter to be, to be left out on the side. Let's, not be, on, let's be honest about that. Um, but I was there to, to, to fill the void if it needed to be in whichever capacity I needed to be. Um, and that's the same as uh, Willie Caballero when he's been at Chelsea. Exactly the same. Um, oh, I would have loved to have had this, uh, the run of games that, uh, that Willie had. Um, no doubt about it. How good would that have been? You would have. I know you would have. You won't say it, oh, but yeah. I, I will. You would have. I know you would have. <laughs> Uh, hey, one game genuinely I think is going to be. I'm ho- I'm just I'm just hoping it lives up to the hype that it potentially could be. Is Liverpool and Leeds? When you look yep. at it on paper, a part of you thinks to yourself, "What the guys who who have just won the Premier League and with a, against another team that struggled to get in it for, in the Premier League for so long." But when watching Liverpool recently, you know, in either pre-season or you know, whether, whether it be Charity Shield or whatever it might be, you go, they don't quite look the same. And Leeds will be seriously pumped up for this one. I cannot wait. Yeah, Liverpool's issue is they haven't, they haven't, ref- they haven't freshened up the squad. Mm. And look, Spurs did it as well. Spurs went a whole transfer window and they didn't freshen up the squad. And they struggled. Will will Liverpool struggle the same? No, I don't think so. But it definitely is a concern. They were they've been unbelievable the last two years. Liverpool they've been by far and above in the over the last two seasons they've been the best team in England. I know two seasons ago they didn't win the league, but if you take if you take it over the last two seasons they've been clear for me they've been been winners they've been the best team over the course of the last two seasons um, by far. So. I worry that they will get to a point where they hit a wall a little bit because they haven't been able to freshen things up. Um, will Will Sane stay? Will he Will he go? You know, who knows? I mean, a lot of it's just speculation. Uh, Wijnaldum, will they lose Wijnaldum? Liverpool seem to be dragging their heels over trying to buy Thiago for twenty nine million pounds. So. What does that tell you? Is that, is that telling you they're either not, they're not sure about Thiago or they haven't got the money available to spend on, 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 on a player like Thiago's quality at you know, 29 million euros, mm. which I just find astounding if that's the case. Um, that's the worrying thing about Liverpool. Everyone, well, not everyone, but quite a few of the teams are, are improving their squads and they seem to be standing still. And... I think at the end of last season, had they not brought in a single player, I wouldn't have been as worried. We're one season further down the line. I'm a little bit more worried about it. You think as well for them, uh, if you were Jurgen Klopp, the, really, the positive thing is they've got such a nicely connected and strong group that they're really at that amazing stage, which is the dream of any manager, that it really would only take one player a year almost. To, fat, you know, to freshen it up. You don't need to go crazy. But if you were Jurgen Klopp, you'd be sitting back a little bit and going, mm. if the owners aren't going to allow me to spend 29 mil on one player, but I've just brought you a Champions League and, a, and the Premier League, you'd be thinking, well, what's going on? Like, come well, on. There's a, yeah, there's a long-term strategy at Liverpool in terms of transfers, uh, investment in, 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 in the squad personnel. There's obviously had the stadium rebuild. Um, so uh, it's not that straightforward. Um, and obviously, we've had the COVID pandemic, so things have changed quite significantly in, in, in that 
in, in on the face of things. So I I think um, the 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 thing about you know when you come back preseason. And yes, you believe in the squad that you had. And listen, there's no doubting unbelievable Liverpool were last season. And there's no doubt they'll have confidence going into the in, into the season because of the thing that they'll be, they'll be thinking they're, not they're invincible, but they'll be on fucking cloud nine because they've been so good the last two years. But I, as a player, I, I know what it was like when you came back. And sometimes it's, yes, you'll refresh to a degree, even though this season will be a little bit different. But what, what actually refreshes you even more and gives you that extra bit of jolt is when you have new players come in, one or two, three new players and good quality players where players are starting to actually go, okay, well, I actually, geez, I'm going to have to play well again. I'm going to have to play a little bit better because if I don't, I can lose my place to this guy because he's brilliant. So it, adds, it, change, it, it changes the dynamics on, on, quite, a lot, on quite a few different, different uh, levels. One is that is the pressure of them performing and making sure players stay on their toes and don't, don't take anything for granted, don't get complacent. Um, and then on the other hand, it's that, that intensity that uh, Liverpool play at. So there's a demand at training, there's a demand on match day every, every time of a certain level of intensity and demand of expectation placed on them. And that can also be very draining. So when you freshen the squad up a little bit, it, it, you have players that come in there with a, with a different mindset and it helps the, the greater, group, greater good of the group, I believe. So that's what worries me a little bit about Liverpool. Um, but there's, okay, I'll, I'll say it again. There's no doubting the, the quality of the squad all around. What about friendship as well? Does that come into it at all? Or is that just my good, kind heart uh, speaking? Because I would have thought that, you know, getting a new face in there, that you, you know, it, it livens the locker room up as well. No, they, they look very together. Mm. Um, you know, listen, they've lost Lovren, right? And you, you could argue and say he's no, no loss. Uh, he only played a handful of games, but he's, he is a, a, a an experienced international player. Mm. So, how do they? What do they do to replace that 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 that, that player? Do they promote within? Do they bring from out uh, external? You know, do you bring a player in there with a similar kind of level of experience, or do you bring a young player up that's going to to be of a certain? Uh, you, you're expecting he's a player of the future, so you've got already showing an enormous amount of talent, but not quite ready to step in and play every game every week but the danger there is you get one two injuries then all of a sudden this guy is that little bit closer to, to potentially being a starter regularly every week won't be long back to ollie and mark in just 15 seconds if you enjoy two sharp reds though make sure you search geg and pod wherever you get your podcasts david weiner is joined by thousands of games of experience both on and off the field it's a great listen g-e-g-e-n-p-o-d the geg and pod okay Back to Two Sharp Reds. Halftime drinks here on the Two Sharp Reds, Mark. Uh... Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Choose your own adventure. Um, No, actually, I'm going to choose it for you. We're going to start with the wine. How's it going down for you? Yeah, very nicely, mate. It's um, this wine, right? Is a what is it? It's structured uh, and it's got complexity, silky smooth, and elegant in the mouth. Yeah. So, and 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 I have to say that's pretty spot on all round. Um, and I've I've had this. I've had quite a number of these bottles over the last uh, couple of weeks. <laughs> And, no, uh, you surprised me. Well, I may, I may have, I may have. Um, yeah, and I've really enjoyed it, and it pretty much sums up the bottle of wine. And and uh, it's not something that, like, I'm sitting here going, I've tasted it for the first time. I've actually tasted it quite a number of times already. So it's uh, it, it never lets you down. Well, I've gone for the Toscana Rossa. I uh, didn't know, I don't, I didn't know anything about it, and and luckily, what I'm enjoying is the fact that the bottle's completely in Italian, so I don't. I still don't know much about it other than what it tastes like. And it tastes okay. beautiful. It is so silky. And I've, I've pulled a, I've, I've done a Mark Schwarzer and, you know, got a wine from the region that I'm in, 
in Tuscany tomorrow. You'll be very excited. I'm going to a vineyard uh, in the Tuscan Hills. I'm meeting the, the owner of the vineyard. He's going to take me on a tour, have a look at the process, have a look at some of the barrels. Um, but he strictly said I can only give you 35 minutes of my time. So, <laughs> so it'll oh, be a, wow. a quick in and out, but I'm sure I'll walk away with a bottle of, of their finest for, for the next episode. So I'm very much looking forward to that. Brilliant. Uh, very exciting, mate. Look forward to that, I'm sure. Now, Mark, um, this was the other topic that I was going to, to get you to decide to choose between talking about the wine or this first. So I'm glad we got the fun stuff out of the way. Now we're getting serious and I've seen you got your glasses on. Uh, we should even put our ties on because this is serious. This is serious. Okay, go on then. Let us know. Give it to us. What would you say if I said the names Phil Foden and Mason Greenwood as he puts on his tie? Party time. <laughs> Not the party girls. tie. <laughs> Bring the girls back. I mean, come on. Who's organising a party? Anyone? Like, come on. It's just, uh, oh, and you know what? You know what? This is close to home for me because I was supposed to be in Iceland this week and I couldn't because they changed their quarantine rules. Yeah. I mean, you know what? Like on, on, in normal times, it's not good, right? It's, you know, you're international duty. You're representing your country. Come on. Like, you know, for, for, for whatever it is, one week, 10 days, can you not just toe the line? Can you not just... You know, do the. I mean, it's not like it's not like Mason Mason Greenwood and and, and uh, Phil Phone don't see each other. No, they're, they're in the same city. Like it's like they're in Manchester. You know, okay, they do play for different teams, but they're there together. So I, I, I just I don't get it. I mean, I don't get it. Um, this whole thing of you know they're just boys. You know, boys will be boys. No, it's, it's not right. No. In today's world, today's climate, you know, they, they've they've broken the law in in Iceland. Um, you know, obviously the, the team rules, it's just, they've jeopardized so many things. It's just a really, really silly, immature thing to do. And it just goes to show you that these kids, they're kids and they're not, they're obviously not mature enough to, to be able to make, and make, make decisions, make the correct decisions. And this is the thing. Often when you're in camps, there are rules, right? There are always rules. Mm. You've always got in every camp, whether it's national team club, there are club rules, there are national team rules. And they're there for a reason because, because even though they're the simplest rules sometimes, people don't, don't think straight. Um, so you've got to have these protocols in place. And, I, and I, I, don't, I feel sorry for them in a way, but then I don't feel sorry for them. I just think that they're, they're, they're old enough, even though they're only 18, 19 years old, they're still old enough and experienced enough and they've been around um, you know, their, their club teams, their first teams enough to know how to behave themselves and conduct themselves. And they needed, to take, they needed to take that to another level when they're going and representing their country. And unfortunately, um, it's going to be a very, very harsh lesson for them. When you think about some of the boys that, that would do anything for a chance, and, and even yeah. Phil Foden's post saying, you know, he just, you know, obviously, you know, this is a big moment for me, being called up. You go, well, you, as far as I'm concerned, you've busted your chance. And someone like a Mason Greenwood, imagine if Fergie was still... In charge yeah. of United, some of these boys, and you know what? I'll go. Oh, you don't have to say it. I will. Well, I think the England national team at the moment has to be up there with the most unlikable at this point in time. Because you think you about, reckon? Oh, think about the talent that they've got, and then you you take that aside and think about over the last twelve months what some of them have either been accused of doing or have done. Jack Grealish breaking. Uh, uh, locked down and crashing his car in the early hours after being drunk. You've got Kyle Walker paying prostitutes to come around. You've got a Hudson Adoy alleged rape case. You've now got these two in their first ever call up to the national squad. They've broken quarantine rules uh, to get girls around from Iceland when Phil Foden's married and has a kid. You know, you look at things and you go, I, I just, it, they're just unlikable at the moment as people. And that might be harsh, but, you know, I, I am a fan yeah. and I still consider myself sometimes a 13, 12-year-old and looking up to I, them and I go, you're, a, you're an idiot. Right? All, yeah. Disappointed. They, 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 they have, yeah, you're right. I, I was just listening to what you're saying there and you're right. I, I kind of, I was thinking of, you know, World Cup, uh, all the goodwill, all the goodwill they built, all the, the great promotion, um, the, the image that they're portraying. And, and let's be honest, the problem you've got is it's only a couple. 
Mm. And it, it kind of... It's a few, though. Out of that 11, there's a few. No, well, 11, but it's not, they're not necessarily the 11, are they? So out of the squad, tw- squad of 23 players yeah. at this, this current moment in time. And you're right. It doesn't, it doesn't look good. And Gareth's got a bit of a job on his hands. Um, you know, let's not forget, Jack Grealish wasn't involved in the squad initially, but called up due to, to injuries and coronavirus and so forth. So, so that's an extra one. Um, Kyle Walker, yes, you, you would say old enough, should know better. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but it's not everyone. You know, there, there are a lot of guys there that have actually do do the right things and are incredibly professional and top pros. Um, unfortunately, you've got a couple uh, or, you know, three or four of them at the moment who, who don't seem to be able to behave themselves. Um, and, and, and that ruins it for everyone else. Mark, let's sharpen the mood up. I don't like it. We're too serious and that's not in our nature. So let's move on to the next game in the Premier League uh, of match day one. That's, of course, on the Sunday, if I'm not mistaken. We move on to uh, West Brom Leicester. West Brom recently promoted. You know, you know what we didn't talk about? We didn't talk about Leeds. We talked about Liverpool. We talked okay, about, good we didn't point. Talk about Leeds. Good I point. want to mention Leeds. And, and Leeds, um, you know, I think the energy and the way that they play... Um, could could work massively in their favour. Obviously, it did so in the, in the championship. Uh, but let's not forget the two previous seasons, they fell away dramatically. They kind of almost hit a wall, burnt out. Maybe this time around, because of coronavirus, maybe it worked in their favour more. Maybe because of the, the break that they had, maybe that helped. The question is, will they be able to do it in the Premier League? Um, they, haven't, they haven't invested heavily, which I didn't expect them to. Um, because they, they play uh, a very pis- distinct style mm-hmm. of football. Uh, Bielsa wants a particular type of player, type of mentality of a player, which is right, which is, which is the right way forward. They've brought in um, Rodrigo Moreno from, from Valencia. Um, again, always the worry is when you bring in a player like that who's going to be your main man, how quickly do they adapt? Quicker than Bamford, the, surely. The- that's, I mean, that's what we're comparing it to, though. Yeah, but, but, but listen, you know, you look at Bamford's record in this, and it's the championship. It's been very, very good. Mm-hmm. But then you can use the same example for the rest of their team. Right. The rest of their team were very good in the championship. Now, now the, the gloves are off. Now it's okay. Now it's the big step up into the big league, and all these guys need to lift themselves massively because they're going to put – Bielsa's put a lot, a lot of faith in these guys. Uh, Pablo Hernandez was, was a player that has, has played in the Premier League and played very, very well at Swansea. But he is that bit older now, you know, and he's not, he's not the same spring chicken as he was back then. He's 35 years old. So he's not going to have the same intensity. He's not going to be able to, you know, to play every game and last 90 minutes for every game. So they're going to, all of them are going to need to lift their game massively. Um, so, but I'm excited. The first game, the energy, the, the, the passion um, that Bielsa has, his team has, it's a, it's a, it's a good challenge for, for Liverpool. How annoying will uh, Bridge and Rich be? For oh, they'll be Bridgie and Rich. Oh my goodness, by golly! But well, they deserve yeah, they, it. Enjoy it. If they no, hang on, do they? Do they um, really? Do they? Bridgie, maybe not. He's, he's, got, he's got a few to choose from. But but I'd say uh, the great man, Rich Bayless, would deserve to see that. So let's. Uh, we've got four more fixtures in match day one that we need to get through. So let's get through this, Mark. West Brom, Leicester City. Is this going to be a standard Leicester City win or are we going to expect that spark that we've talked about with newly promoted teams? No, I think Leicester will win this. Um, yeah. It's a bit of a derby, uh, Midlands derby. Yeah. Leicester, though, uh, Brendan Rodgers, they, dri- they dropped off massively, didn't they? Uh, dropped out of that top four positions. They hit a brick wall. Um, <sighs> Brendan Rodgers needs to start well. Mm-hmm. Needs to start well. Otherwise, there will be question marks. And the pressure will be on um, because you know they, they, you know they've, I know they've they've, they've sold uh, they sold Ben Chilwell they've made made really good money on them I mean if you look at if you look at Leicester over the last couple of years the, the players that they've sold the amount of money that they've actually made on players they've been very very good incredibly good and they've still been able to replace them and maintain a certain level and and let's be honest we all say that last season and they missed out in Champions League position we're only saying that because they were there for so long and they did let, let it slip. But nobody at the beginning of the season gave him a chance to finish in the top four. No, well, that's it. You'd, you'd think that any Leicester fan would have bitten your arm off if they said, all right, you're in Europa League. Go, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, without a doubt. 
I, I agree. So, uh, but I, I can only see Leicester winning this one. Tottenham, Everton. Have you had a chance to watch All or Nothing yet? No, I haven't. Mm, it's, it's good. It's a little bit of a... It ter- it very quickly, Pochettino's in it for about half of the first episode. And then it all of a sudden becomes All or Nothing, Tottenham's All or Nothing, Jose Mourinho, very, very quickly. <laughs> but, you know, have you enjoyed it? Have you enjoyed it, though? Yeah, it's been good. They're, so they're filtering it through three episodes at a time. Um, yep. I learned a lot about Eric Diet. Didn't really know a lot about his Portuguese past, and a little bit, but not to the point of, you know, when when he has one-on-one meetings with Jose, they talk in in Portuguese and go, "Geez, that's that's pretty amazing." And then you get the sense over the next couple episodes, you start to see the meetings between uh, Ericsson, Jose, and Daniel Levy, and they're like, you know, we will let you go for this price, and so it's it's pretty interesting. Well worth yeah. it. That's for sure. I, th- I think I think that from a from a football perspective, fan perspective, it's a great insight into how things actually yeah. do operate. And let's be honest, you know, of course they know the cameras are there and some of it's played up to the cameras and so forth. But generally a lot of that stuff does happen in that way. So it's not necessarily completely, you know, uh, prefabricated. So looking at these two sides, Tottenham and Everton, I suppose on paper it actually speaks out for a pretty evenly matched, exciting game of football. Yeah, uh, you know, look at, look at Everton. Everton have been busy a game in the transfer win, uh, transfer market. Alan, I think Alan's a really good signing. Huge. Uh, I like him. Yeah, I think he's a really good player and I think it's a really good price I got for him. Um, I, I've liked, I like him. Every time I see him play for Napoli, I thought he's a really good player. Um, they've, got a, uh, they've got a pretty good midfield, uh, Everton. Uh, I, I think if you, if you look at, if you, look at um, you know, Carlo Ancelotti, he's, he's record in terms of, his, his ability to, to get, you know, he generally works with the top, top teams, doesn't he? Yeah. So he's generally had a star-studded sort of lineup of players. And this was always going to be the big challenge for him because he didn't have a squad full of star-studded players, has he? No. So now it's been a case of, okay, what can he do with this group of players? Can he, can he, can he actually improve all of these players? Or does he need to build? Does he need to buy? Will he bring play, players in? James Rodriguez, oh, who knows? Who knows what you're going to get? I mean, listen, I suppose one man who's, who, who's probably best placed to, to, to know is Carlo Ancelotti because I think this will be his third time working for him, working yeah. with him. So, or, or is it even the fourth time? I'm not even sure. Um, definitely his third. We don't so, like Hamez though, do we? Well, we don't. We don't. Why not? He won goal of the tournament up against the great Timmy Cahill. Yeah, he you're right. absolutely yeah. robbed. He was, he yeah, was daylight robbery. Well, but it was a great goal as well. Yeah, it was, it was a good goal. <laughs> it'd, go, yeah. it'd, go his, it'd go in his YouTube highlight reel, that's for sure. But it wasn't the great Timmy Cahill on the end of that yeah. left footer. Oh, my good goodness. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah. no, I think you're spot on. And then Tottenham have been relatively quiet as well as a few teams have been. Uh, really, when, you know, when we've actually dissected a lot of these squads, they've been reasonably quiet as well. Is there any concern there, do you think, or are they in a decent position? Um, are they in a decent position? Oh, gosh. Yeah, this is, this is the thing, you know, and I think, again, unfortunately for, for Jose and for Tottenham, it, it's hampered them, the whole, the whole pandemic, you know. It's, it's, it's tightened the, 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 um, the purse strings. He's not really been able to go out there and spend a lot of money. Uh, Hoiberg, he's a good player. Is he one of those players, which could well be, um, is he going to be better with better players around him? Mm-hmm. And, and, he, and he probably will be. You know, he's a Danish international. He's, he's always been, I don't know, I, whenever I watch Salem play, he's one of their better players, but it's not like he stands out and jumps out at you and you go, wow, that's a fantastic player. It's not like when I watch Alan play for, uh, for Napoli and I go, geez, he's good. He's a yeah. good player. Like, he, you know, he's so comfortable on the ball. He's tidy. Everything about him is really, really good. Uh, reading of the game, everything. I don't, I, don't, I don't see that. But, you know, listen, only time will tell. Uh, Belly is a problem child for them. You know, the record signing, do they sell him? Do they, you know, do they try and bring him back in? Uh, only time will tell, again. Um, other than that, it's pretty much the same for Spurs, isn't it? I mean, obviously, they've lost for Tongan. Mm-hmm. Um, what do they do? You know, what, where do they go from, where do they go from, 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 from this? Danny Rose is back. Make season two of All or Nothing. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Danny Rose is back. I don't see that lasting. Um, obviously, when you, when you watch the Netflix 
drama um, unfold. Uh, the relationship between him and uh, Jose Mourinho is incredibly strained. I think Joe Hart's a good signing for him. I, I think, genuinely, I think he's going to add, obviously, experience and he's going to be someone that I think, you know, he's going to be good around the change room for them. I think he, he accepts where he is now. He sees this as an opportunity and who knows, injuries, suspensions, may get the odd chance here and there. And if he plays well enough, Jose's the top person that may quite give him a few more games. I mean, when you look at Gazaniga when he came into to the fold, you know, last season, he was all right. You know, he didn't change the world, but he, was, he, he did the job. But you would imagine Joe Hart's a man that if he, I think, I think would, you, would you say that his issue will be is if he does get called upon yep. in that same scenario, you know, and he's got maybe four or five games and he doesn't live up to the expectation, then he, then he probably won't get another chance unless, he ha- unless they have to. <clears throat> uh, yeah, possibly. You know, it's always hard as well as a number two when you play so limited games then all of a sudden you're called upon to perform and you need to perform now. That's often tough, very, very tough to do. Um, but, yeah, that, that's, that's the nature of the beast. That's, that's the difficulty of being a number two. A lot of people go, oh, it's easy being a number two. You know, all I do is go and train, sit there on the bench, um, play the odd game here and there. It's a lot more difficult than people think. How so? Because I, I, I'll be honest, I fall into that category of thinking like that. For that very reason, because you don't play a lot of games and then all of a sudden you're called upon to play. And the minute you play and you don't play well, you, you get torn to shreds. You're like, he's not good enough. You need to bring another goalkeeper in straight away. And you've had one game to prove yourself off the back of not playing for months. Mm. You know, it's a tough gig. It's not easy. Yes, if you go and you look at clubs like, uh, I don't know, so you look at Liverpool and uh, Adrian playing at Liverpool. And yes, he played, came in and played okay, made, made one or two mistakes, but then still played reasonably well in other games. But generally, he's never going to play unless Alisson is injured. So if your first keeper is regularly fit and you play the odd cap game here and there and you do okay, then it's okay. But the minute your first keeper gets injured and there's a, there's, a, there's, a, there's a string of games that you need to perform in and if you don't, straight away they're looking at bringing someone else in. There's, there's, no, there's no leeway in being a number two in that regard. Speaking of teams that have uh, changed things up between the sticks, we're looking at next at Sheffield United. They'll be taking on the Wolves who have, in the last... 48 hours of world have been, as well, been very busy uh, in the transfer market. They brought in another Portuguese player. Surprise, surprise. Absolutely love it. It must just be, like, do you reckon they've got, you know, like how in Soho in London you've got Chinatown? Do you reckon there's sort of like a Portuguese street in Wolverhampton? Surely they're, they're at least a year off that happening for sure. Um, no, there must be one already. Yeah, you would think I agree. That you, would, you would think there's one there already. Uh, yeah, no, listen, I mean, obviously... <laughs> The Portuguese influence at the club is obviously huge and it has been for a number of seasons now. So, um, listen, you know, Wolves, Wolves, Wolves are now one of those teams that are, that are, that are, that are a top sort of six to eight team in the, in the Premier League regularly, team, year after year. You kind of expect them to be in those positions. Um, and, and, and rightly so. You know, they've got some, some really, really good players. Um, Joel Moutinho has shown that even at his age, he can still slot in really well and, and play well. You know, you look at uh, Yotta up front, fantastic. He's been, he's been so good for them. Neves is brilliant for them. Um, they've paid, what, a fortune now for Fabio Silva. Mm. Let's see, you know, let's, let's see how he does. You know, he's only, what, 19 years old. Kind of, I think he may, again, maybe one of those ones like Joel Felix at Atletico Madrid paying 114 odd million pounds, euros for him took six months or so to settle in and then only start to, to sort of shine. Mm-hmm. And then you get to the Champions League uh, quarterfinals and you leave them on the bench. <laughs> Why would you do that? Anyway, uh, Wolves are a different case. Um, you know, and I, and I think, you know, they're a side that, if, you know, it looks like they're going to keep hold of uh, Traore, yeah. which how exciting is he to play? Uh, how exciting is, is, is it to watch him play? Yeah. That, that speed, that power. Um, so yeah, um, listen, I'm excited again to see Wolves and see how they do this season. I think it's going to be another interesting season for them. One player I'm excited to see from a Wolves perspective, um, I'm not sure if you know too much about him, but I've sort of taken a, a bit of an interest in him is young Luke Matheson. Uh, from He came from Rochdale. And the reason why I am excited by him is because he was the... I, I think there was a stat that he was the youngest player to feature for them. Uh, as they played Man United in in one of their cup runs, and okay. he was brilliant. 
like really, really exciting. And so I'm, I'm excited mm. for that because also he seems like a really nice guy and he's English. So hopefully that solves my issue of liking the English team. Yeah. Uh, you know what? You, you often, you know, you need your good young players coming through. Um, and, and often you'll see a young player come into the first team and or a mix of first team players, fringe team players and play really, really well. So because there's no real expectancy, particularly from the greater world, the, mm-hmm. the, the outside public, within, yes, because they, they obviously give him the chance because they, they can see the ability that he possesses. So then once you perform at a certain level, then all of a sudden there's a sense of expectation from now on. Mm-hmm. So he's got to replicate those performances. And that's the big challenge for any young player. Any opportunity, time they get break into the first team, you hit the ground running, you play really, really well. Okay, now, now that's the benchmark. Now you've got to replicate that week in, week out. That's his big challenge now. Luke Matheson, whenever he gets another chance, can he perform at that level again? Well, as we know, though, he plays a lot at right back and they've got rid of uh, uh, Doherty. So that might be, I don't know, maybe they, they know a little bit more than we do that uh, he's ready to go. So it'll be very exciting. So now... Finally, your thoughts on that fixture between Wolves and Sheffield United. United, what are we expecting there? Well, for Sheffield United, more of the same as last season. They're going to be, you know, high intensity. They're going to be work rate, all about team spirit, all those things. Um, You know, the same thing that uh, Chris Waller has been doing for for the last season or so. But interesting for me is the acquisition of Aaron Ramsdale from Bournemouth. I'm still not sure about him. Big void to fill in Dean Henderson. You know, he's been brilliant for, for Sheffield United the last two seasons. Obviously gone back to Manchester United. And now the challenge is... And, and it's going to be... It could potentially be really noticeable. Mm. Because if Sheffield United don't do as well, and they're leaking goals, all of a sudden they'll start pointing fingers. People will start to, to look at it. Okay, analyse it. And the interesting thing about Aaron Ramsdale is he came from Sheffield United. He went from Sheffield United to Bournemouth for only... I think it's like literally maybe a mil or so. And they've brought him back for what twenty? Ouch! Yeah, and, and it never... hasn't been, and it hasn't been long, long afterwards either. Uh, now, Mark, the final game of match day one in the new uh, Premier League season. Of course, a reminder that both City and United, both Manchester teams, their fixtures will come later uh, because of European performances. But we need to talk about Brighton taking on Chelsea. Now we've touched on Chelsea, so I feel like we can leave them alone for the moment. And we've got to talk about the boys in blue, our South Coast Socceroos. They've been broken up. We've got to talk about the elephant in the room, Mark. Big Aaron Moy. I'm gutted. I'm not gutted for him. I'm gutted for me. I really am. I just... I, I just... I, I, listen, I totally understand why he's gone to China. You know, financially, it must be changing his world, right? And, and, and that is a very, very tough thing, thing for anybody to turn down mm-hmm. um, when it's life-changing opportunities in terms of financial rewards. And it's easy for, any, for all of us to say, career move, why? Mm-hmm. You know, because you're not in that position. And when you're in that position and the offer's on the table, it's very, very difficult to turn that sort of stuff down. So I understand why he's, he's done it. I'm, I, I am also slightly disappointed. I, I'd hoped he would have stayed longer in the Premier League because I think that's where he belongs. He's a, he's a really good player. And I think for the Socceroos, it would have been the best thing for him to stay in the Premier League for his development. I would have liked to have seen him stay for another year or two at least in the Premier League and then maybe go. But... I also understand why he's done it. And he may be thinking, will I ever get this opportunity ever again? And I get it. I get it. But yes, I am. It's a sigh of disappointment as well. So without uh, going into territory of of tearing shreds off him, because I do, I do get you. Because certainly if, if a Chinese club came in for me, I'd be, I'd be going, yeah, I'm already at the gate. No worries. <laughs> I'm already here. <laughs> but my argument is financially, I, I go, okay, well, that's, that's great. If that's your goal, that, that, I totally understand that, and as you probably should. But surely spending another year or two in the Premier League would only benefit your brand, even if your performances aren't as good. You can then go, right, so if I say, for argument's sake, if I spend another three seasons in the Premier League, I've now played six years in the Premier League, so now my brand as a Premier League player has grown, even if my performances have either stagnated or gone down, he would still get that move. He absolutely would. Knowing Aaron Moy, the the, the little bit that I know him, he's not someone that that seeks a limelight. He's not somebody that's particularly worried about his brand. 
in terms of when I say brand, he's not someone that wants to be in the spotlight. He's not someone that's no. trying to sell an image. He's not someone who wants to develop a clothing line or, you know, be, be on billboards around the country. You know, he's not someone who wants to be on every sponsor, sponsor's uh, front pages. You know, like he's not that type of player, person, individual. Mm-hmm. He's, he's, a, he's a very, he's a very uh, private individual. Um, and, uh, you know, you see him in front of a camera. He, he, he's not that comfortable talking in front of a camera. He just wants to do his talking on the football pitch. Yep. And, and not everyone's the same, and, and you've got to respect that. Um, so I understand it's not about the brand anymore. It's, about, it's not about the brand. It's about opportunities in life and furthering his, his life and setting himself up for the rest of his life and setting up his whole family probably for the rest of their lives. Definitely. Um, but his brand, then, uh, his brand, when his name, sorry, comes across their desk is what I mean. So not, not social media, not, but when they go, oh, now we've got, a, we've got the opportunity to sign a player who's played six years straight in the Premier League. Yeah, but, but then how much older will he be? You know, will it be the case then, well, do we actually want to sign a player at that age anymore? Yes, he's playing in the Premier League. We don't want to sign anymore. We're, we're past signing players at the end of their careers from the Premier League. We want to sign players that are still at, potentially at their peak and are always potentially at his peak of his career. So we want to sign top, top quality players. And, and I get it. Listen, who knows, mate? China, we've seen it before. Players go there, sign, and within six months, new manager comes in, brings in a whole lot of new players, and they're out the door. They're looking for somewhere else. Yeah. You never know. You know, you might end up being back in the Premier League sooner rather than later. Um, you just never know. But I also understand why he's decided to go to China. I hope he does because he was the chosen one, Mark. He was the chosen one to bring that next generation through. But that's okay. It's all right. It's all right because, you know, you never know. I could still make an appearance late in my career, so I could be the chosen one. Who knows, Mark? Who knows? Can't see it. Can't see it. Now, Mark, uh, have you, how have you enjoyed your wine? I've thoroughly enjoyed my Toscano Rosso. My first red wine here in Tuscany was beautiful. It was, it was what I needed to do. It was very much a close my eyes, grab something off the shelf and hope for the best. And that's how I've seen it. How have you enjoyed yours? I've really enjoyed my Criantha. Uh, silky smooth, elegant, mm-hmm. um, long-lasting taste in the, in, the, uh, in the taste buds, mate. Very, very tasty. Mm-hmm. Really, really enjoyed it. So given some so, of those, those uh, emotions and uh, words that you've given me there, does that suggest that you'd like to go first as comparing this to yeah. a player? Yeah, I will. And, I, and it's not a player that I've played with, so I'm going to go outside the box this time. Oh, I like I'm it. Go, it's about a player that I've seen play. Uh, he's a new signing and uh, very, very silky smooth. Very silky smooth. Um, uh, and he's also got a sense of elegancy about him when he plays, when he's on the ball, when he glides past people, um, whips those crosses into the box or even gets on the end of finishing, uh, finishing shots. Um, and, uh, and I'm sure he's going to be long lasting mm-hmm. because he's just Chelsea's new, one of Chelsea's new signings. And at Zayek came coming Ooh. from Ajax. I and, thought you were uh, going to say uh, Havertz there. I like it. Yeah, no, because that, I mean, he's more than silky smooth, isn't he? He's more than silky smooth. In, well, he's Egyptian uh, cotton. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So Zayic is, is someone that's uh, very silky smooth, very elegant on the ball. And I think um, he's going to be very long lasting at Chelsea. I think he's going to be a very good player. Well, I'm annoyed uh, that you've used the word silky because that's certainly how I describe my Toscana Rossa. I think that it's uh, very bright, uh, brighter than I'm sort of used to. You've got that, you know, how sometimes when you can hold it up to a light, and actually, even when you don't hold it up to the light, uh, you can look straight through it with that beautiful bright red tinge. So my, uh, it's a 2019 Toscana Rosso as well, so it's quite young, uh, 19 years of age. Well, technically one year, but I'm <laughs> one year of age. But, <laughs> but I'm, I'm taking the 19 and running with, with that as the age uh, with a really okay. bright future uh, with, with incredible silky skills. That's where that came into the fold. But it's the bright future mixed with the red future. And that's, of course, with the 19-year-old the who's recently signed a long-term deal with the great uh, red half of North London Arsenal in Bukayo Saka. I think he's got a really bright future and possibly with England very soon, given the circumstances that we've talked about uh, with the likes of a Phil Foden as well. So uh, watch this space. But yeah, I think this uh, Toscana Rosso is bright. It's exciting. It's young. It's red and uh, it's silky. So it's uh, Bukayo Saka. Mate, you've learned. You're getting definitely better at this. Uh, I needed just four, at least four things, didn't I? I needed at least top, four dot points, not just the yes. one. <laughs> and, and fortunately, this time you've done it. 
Yep, I absolutely love it. So, Mark, uh, before I give you the, the opportunity to, to sign out and sign off from this podcast, a reminder to get involved, uh, join the group on Facebook, Two Shut Reds by Optus Sport, please leave a review. We always love those. Uh, but that's the, the admin out of the way, Mark. So now it's time for you to do your sign off. Yeah, well, we've run out of time, haven't we, again this week. It's been a lot uh, packed into this episode. Yeah. Looking forward to the restart or the new start of the season. Um, geez, we've missed football, haven't we? Yeah. <laughs> yes, oh, I know. Oh, I know. Oh, geez, it's not the usual football restart, is it, that, that, that we're used to. It's not like you've gone off five, six weeks of having no football whatsoever. We've had football coming out of our ears since the restart. And you know what? I, I'm not sick of it. I'm looking forward right. to it. And I think it's going to be a really exciting Premier League season again. I've, uh, I've loved everything that's been on. In fact, today I even watched uh, uh, the academies of uh, Lazio and Juventus play uh, on telly. Ah, oh, there's some serious talent there. So you've gone all the way to Italy just to watch yeah, the, reserve, the, re- the reserves play? Yeah. yeah. Anything wrong with that? No sightseeing, not worried about any of that. Nah, just nah, nah. Watch nah. TV. No, I can't because I needed to be on call to do this podcast or podcast all bloody day. So that's all I can do. There you go. Well, <laughs> on that note, let's uh, let's save the rest for the next episode. Cheers, Mark. Cheers, mate. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.